Hello, you are listening to an episode of Trade Talks, a podcast about the economics of trade policy. I am Samaya Keynes, economics and trade correspondent for The Economist in London. And I'm Chad Bowne, a senior fellow with the Peterson Institute for International Economics in Washington. This episode is about trade facilitation. We're going to tell you all about the paperwork involved in trade. In particular with China, we're going to be doing a Section 301 trade action. It could be about $60 billion, but that's really just a fraction of what we're talking about. So we've spoken to China, and we're in the midst of a very large negotiation. We'll see where it takes us. But in the meantime, we're sending a Section 301 action. I'll be signing it right here, right now. Yeah, we had a fun holiday. So in this episode, we're going to try and explain really clearly just what is going on with this whole US-China trade war thing. There is quite a lot of spin and there is a lot to keep track of. You know, the first thing to realize is that though it may sound like it, we're not in a trade war quite yet. Not yet. So we're going to talk through two of the major trade disputes going on between China and the United States right now. And we're recording this on Friday, April 6th at 8.30 a.m. Washington time. That's 8.30 p.m. Beijing time. And that is 1.30 UK time. Are we are we fighting you? Are, are we having a trade war with you too? No, but I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm involved. So it's, it's fun. Okay. So some of these actions are coming really close to each other timing-wise. There's a lot of stuff all going on at the same time. And that's confused some people as, as it can seem like some tariffs are related to other tariffs when really they're not. And crucially, there's a lot of tariffs being discussed right now. But at this stage, only a fraction of them have actually been applied. And some of them may never be applied. Fingers crossed. Okay, so trade dispute number one, steel and aluminium, or in trade geek speak, the Section 232. So this is the one where the Trump administration says that imports are threatening America's national security, and so they need to impose tariffs. Here's President Trump on March 8th. Today, I'm defending America's national security by placing tariffs on foreign imports of steel and aluminum. We will have a 25% tariff on foreign steel and a 10% tariff on foreign aluminum when the product comes across our borders. That sounds scary, but he didn't announce tariffs on everyone's steel and aluminum. So right from when the president signed the proclamation on March 8th, Canada and Mexico seem to already be exempt. But also, that signing ceremony started a two-week countdown for other countries to negotiate exemptions too. This is a long way from what we thought might happen, which is steel and aluminium tariffs on everyone. Right. So foreign governments started lobbying like crazy to try to become exempt. And on March 22nd, the day before the deadline that the tariffs were going to be imposed, Trump quietly signed a proclamation that seven trading partners were actually going to be spared. That list included not only Canada and Mexico, but the European Union, South Korea, Australia. But it didn't include countries like Japan. And it definitely didn't include China. And the really important thing to remember in all of this is that under this law, President Trump can really do whatever he wants. He can change his mind at any point in time. He can put new tariffs on. He can take them off. He can switch it to a quantitative limit like a quota. He can add or subtract countries and products. 
So Canada and Mexico, while they're currently exempt, they could find that their exemptions are gone. They still have to negotiate the NAFTA and they have to deal with him in that. So who knows how this will play out. So meanwhile, as these country level negotiations are going on, steel and aluminium importers are busy working their way through the bureaucracy to apply for product level exclusions. So there's a whole load of bureaucrats who are working overtime right now trying to process all of those. So we'll see what products could get carved out. So tariffs on steel and aluminum have been in effect since the middle of the night on March 23rd. And what happened next confused a lot of people. So essentially, China responded to the steel and aluminum tariffs with retaliatory tariffs of their own. So China is saying that America's tariffs on steel and aluminium are not really anything to do with America's national security. They're saying that, look, these are a safeguard, which is this broad protection against surging imports. And China says, this is what you're doing. But hey, our exports of metal to you haven't been surging. And so the Chinese think that they're within their rights under the World Trade Organization to hit back. And we talked about the legal logic behind this in one of our earlier episodes with Jennifer Hillman. So this is one of the things that the European Union said it was going to do if it wasn't ultimately exempted from Trump's steel and aluminum tariffs. So China's retaliation is what the world woke up to on Monday, April 2nd. So Beijing retaliated. They did their version of rebalancing and they chose 128 products to impose tariffs on. Uh, Overall, those products added up to around $3 billion of imports. And that matched the roughly $3 billion of China's exports to the U.S. hit by Trump's steel and aluminium tariffs. Right. So that's $3 billion of Chinese tariffs on imports coming in from the United States in response to $3 billion of U.S. tariffs on steel and aluminum on imports coming in from China. Now, the Chinese retaliation, the biggest chunk of that was on aluminum waste. About $1.2 billion of their $3 billion of retaliation was just that product alone. And interestingly, this is the very same aluminum category that President Trump had excluded from the list of products that he was hitting with his national security tariffs. Now, to the extent that recycled aluminum is a substitute for the aluminum that the Trump administration is trying to block with its aluminum tariffs, the Chinese tariff will make the Trump administration's policy less effective. They might have less aluminum coming in because of the tariff, but they're going to have more recycled aluminum stuck in the U.S., The next biggest one is China is retaliating also on $500 million worth of pork from the United States. So a lot of pigs live in states like Iowa, and this is rural areas that voted for President Trump in the 2016 election. But also Terry Bradenstadt, the former governor of Iowa, well, he's currently the U.S. ambassador to China. And so he represents President Trump in day-to-day operations there in Beijing. So the point here is that they're trying to strike at the political pressure points of America. Yeah, through perhaps any angle that they can identify as being useful. But it's also interesting to note here that apparently China also consumes parts of the pig, and so not just standard ham, I guess, but also products like offal, that Americans don't tend to fancy. In terms of the economics of this, there may not be a lot of alternative markets for these particular segments of pig products aside from China. And that will just serve to increase the economic pain that will result from these tariffs. Okay, so other products, uh, China is also in this list included tariffs on wine, fruits, nuts. A lot of those come from central California. They've targeted steel pipe and tube, uh, you know, an eye for an eye sort of thing. And $24 million of ginseng. 
Yeah, ginseng. I didn't know this, but apparently some ginseng is grown in Wisconsin. And now one might think, ah, Wisconsin, that's Paul Ryan's state. And while that's true, apparently where the ginseng is grown is not in his district. So it's hard to know if they're trying to target Paul Ryan, who's the leader of the House of Representatives, or if they're just interested in uh, those Wisconsin voters who, you know, Wisconsin is an important swing state. Okay, so these are the products that the Chinese are targeting with their tariffs. The Americans have said that the Chinese claim that this is a safeguard and nothing to do with national security are completely baseless. They're basically saying that by imposing these retaliatory duties, the Chinese are breaking the World Trade Organization's rules. So at this point, everyone is accusing everyone else of breaking the rules while claiming that they are sticking to the rules. So in summary, we do have some tariffs. We've got the American tariffs on steel and aluminium, and we've got China's retaliatory tariffs on aluminium, pork, ginseng. And all of that would be a pretty big deal in and of itself if that were actually the only thing going on. But it turns out that's actually the little of the two disputes that we're going to talk about today. Okay, so let's turn to the other dispute, the big one. As the steel and aluminum stuff has been going on, the China Section 301 unfair trade case has just arrived. And loyal listeners will remember that this is what our very first Trade Talks episode was about. For those of you who can't remember back that far, Section 301 is this funny bit of US trade law, which essentially puts countries under investigation. So if the US finds that one of its trading partners has been acting in an unfair way or violating an existing trade agreement, then there's a negotiation. And if you can't negotiate your way out, then America will hit you with tariffs. So if this sounds a little bit funny and unheard of, well, it is. So this law dates back to 1974. It was pretty heavily used in the late 1970s, 1980s, and the early 1990s. But it really hasn't been used since the WTO went into effect in 1995 all that much. So in this particular case, in August of 2017, the Trump administration began a new investigation alleging that China had been behaving badly. And on March 22nd, they published a 215-page report giving the details of just how badly China has been behaving. So they have four allegations, and here is the U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer at the event announcing the conclusions of this big investigation. China does have a policy of forced technology transfer, of requiring licensing at less than economic uh, value at um, uh, state capitalism, wherein they go in and buy technology in the United States in non-economic ways, and then finally of cyber theft. Essentially, they think that China is stealing America's intellectual property in a way that hurts America. And the Trump administration, they're not the first ones to think that. So previous American administrations have worried about this. The European Union and Japan, they, they share some of these American concerns. The Americans reckon that taken together, all of this adds up to a lot of damage inflicted on the American economy. So they're just trying to right that. And they're doing a few things. So on the first, there's this complaint about the way that China does licensing for intellectual property. They're taking China to the World Trade Organization. They're saying, you're breaking the rules and we will sue you. And that by itself would be pretty normal. But on the other stuff, the Americans are saying that this bad behavior isn't covered by WTO rules. So President Trump is taking matters into his own hands. And unless China can negotiate some kind of deal, they're going to be hit with investment restrictions 
and tariffs. So the alarming thing about all of this is that we just don't know very much about what is going on with these negotiations, which are supposedly meant to be averting this big trade war. We have no idea how serious the talks are. We don't know whether the Americans are really trying to avert this or whether they're really keen on tariffs. Uh, the U.S. trade representative has been fairly silent on on who's negotiating, what's going on. Today, I read a statement from the Chinese saying that they hadn't really been having discussions because you can't have talks about this stuff while the environment is this tense. The Chinese seem to be fairly keen to avoid a conflict, but it's just not clear what they could offer to please the Trump administration. Yeah, and the Trump administration has been really dismissive of empty Chinese promises. And to be fair, they are really good at making those. But even if China did want to change their technology transfer practices, how could they actually persuade the Americans that they had done so, especially in such a short period of time as we're going through right now with these negotiations? And alongside all of this intellectual property chat, Donald Trump has been fairly clear that he's really upset by the bilateral trade deficit that America has with China. Maybe a deal could tackle that. Although, again, I just don't know what the details of that deal would look like, given that bilateral trade deficits are not driven by trade deals. The thing I worry about is that maybe they they agree something in paper, the bilateral trade deficit starts rising, and then bam, we thought we were safe and we're back in trade war territory. Exactly. That's a giant economic concern. Well, while we don't know much about the negotiations themselves, we do know what will happen if the negotiations end up going badly. So here's Robert Lighthizer on March 22nd. The result of this has been that the president has analyzed it. We have a 200-page study which we'll put out, and he has concluded that we should put in place tariffs on appropriate products. We can explain later how we concluded what products they are, that, in, that we would put uh, investment restrictions on China with respect to high technology. And so that's investment restrictions, and we don't have the details on those yet, and the tariffs. And so on April 3rd, after all the stock markets closed, the USTR released a list of 1,333 products coming in from China that they're proposing to hit with 25% tariffs. So the confusing thing was that that announcement came straight after China announced its retaliation against the steel and aluminium tariffs. But it was a separate thing. That's right. This one is completely separate. At least for the purposes of trade talks. I suspect they're probably being discussed in the similar meetings. Okay, but the, the, the smaller case where tariffs have been implemented relate to steel and aluminium. The bigger case, this 50 billion, 60 billion that you keep on hearing about, that's to do with China's intellectual property violations. That's the important one. That's the one they've been working on for months. So this first list ended up covering about $46 billion of U.S. imports from China in 2017. Now, that's more than 10 times as much trade from China as was directly affected by President Trump's steel and aluminum tariffs. So this list of tariffs was like a gift for us trade geeks. I was up until midnight with my spreadsheet having a great time. It was supposedly inspired by the products affected by the Made in China 2025 strategy, which is this industrial policy that the Trump administration really hates. So it included a lot of industrial goods, machines, electronic equipment. There were some big ones, including televisions, cars, printing machine parts. Now, interestingly, of the... 1,333 products, I found that more than 250 of them actually included the word parts. So there's also a lot of intermediate inputs in there that obviously could impact supply chains. 
But it also includes about $2 billion of metal imports from China, including a lot of those same steel and aluminum products that President Trump had just hit with new tariffs on March 23rd. And so hitting the same products again, how many times can you stop those steel and aluminum imports from coming into the United States? Or maybe they're just trying to pad the numbers to get as close to the 50 or $60 billion of imports that President Trump wanted to hit with tariffs. The list is really fun. Everyone should take a look. It includes golf carts, snowblowers, dental fittings. It also included a few products that China just didn't export to America in 2017, which is a bit confusing, but it, it could be a kind of, oh, no, you don't thing uh, where they're sort of trying to preemptively stop China from exporting some products. Or maybe they wanted to go for 1,333. Maybe that number had a nice ring to it. That is a nice round number. Okay, so that's one list, but we have another list. So on April 4th, less than 11 hours after President Trump's Section 301 product list went public, China came up with their own list. This one is in retaliation to the American list. Now, 11 hours isn't a long period of time to come up with such a list, so clearly they've been thinking about this for a while. And remember, these are only lists. No tariffs have been imposed. These are just lists of threats. In total, China's retaliation list covers about $50 billion of U.S. exports to China in 2017. There were 106 products on the list. Now, the big hitters on there were soybeans, and that was about $12 billion. Again, soybeans are largely coming out of Iowa, the Midwest, Terry Branstad, these rural communities. Automobiles on the list, about $10 billion worth of trade there. And the other really big one is aircraft. That was about $16 billion. And so we should say that there is some uncertainty about what exactly in terms of aircraft is going to be hit. First of all, there's some confusion about which exact tariff codes are being used. And then there's a question of which kinds of aircraft will be captured by the deal. Do the newer models get included? But what we do know is if aircraft are on the list, you get to 50 billion. If you take aircraft off the list, you're only at about 33 billion. So for now, we're going to go with the aircraft on the list. So that's China's list. And we don't have it yet, but it looks like there's going to be another list. So on April 5th, Donald Trump asked the USTR to draw up a list of more tariffs covering $100 billion of goods. So he was clearly upset by the Chinese list and thought, no, 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 we're going to go bigger. The Chinese responded with a statement saying, we're not afraid of a trade war and we will fight until the end. Scary stuff. So China could respond with another $100 billion, but China doesn't actually have $150 billion of total imports from the United States that it could target. It only imported about $135 billion from the United States in 2017. But they could try to do other things. They could try to make life really difficult for American companies that are operating in China. And remember... There is a lot of that activity going on. A big part of this Section 301 case involves the way that American companies are already being mistreated in China, according to the Trump administration. But one could imagine China making it even worse for them. So we've got these lists. It's all getting very tense. And also, China has filed an official dispute at the World Trade Organization. But, you know, to be honest, if they start imposing these tariffs, I'm not sure how relevant the World Trade Organization is going to look. Basically, what's happening here is a game of chicken. Each side is saying, if you don't pay nice, I'm going to do this nasty thing. Even though this nasty thing, tariffs, would hurt me too. And the big question is whether one side will blink, whether they'll get some kind of deal, or whether we're going to see tariffs. And so in this big case, 
The next dates to look out for are May 15th. So that's when there's going to be a public hearing for people to come tell the U.S. Trade Representative what they think about this proposed American tariff list. And then whatever happens after that, you can expect more Trade Talks episodes about it. And that is all for Trade Talks. Do read my pieces in The Economist from this week and last, where I try to explain in written words what's going on. And do look at my charts. And I've made available all the trade data on the products in the Section 301 and China retaliation lists, at least the first round of those lists. You can use those data to make charts of your own. And along those lines, I'd also like to thank Lucy Liu and Eugene Young here at Peterson for helping me put together all of the data for this week's charts. As usual, tell your friends, colleagues, any trade negotiators you happen to come across all about the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Samaya Keynes. And I'm at Chad Bowne. And we're on at trade underscore underscore talks. That's not one, but two underscores at trade underscore underscore talks. Think one underscore for the section 232 and another for the 301. Or one underscore for the first set of retaliation lists and another one for the $100 billion No, because there's more than two. Stop, stop. There's more than two. What are you doing?